Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Events with Benefits, a podcast designed to help nonprofit organizations like yours raise more money, get your stress levels down, and achieve greater success at your fundraising events. My name is Danny Hooper. I'm a professional fundraising auctioneer, and I'm joined here uh, by my co-hosts Ian Loth from Winspire and Renee Zhao from Donation Match. We are coming to you as always from the headquarters, world headquarters of Winspire down here in sunny South California. Uh, today's guest, what a firecracker. Yeah. My goodness gracious. You are about to meet a young lady who is the senior marketing, or pardon me, senior manager of multi, I've got to read this. There's no way to remember this. Senior manager of multi-market leadership events with the National MS Society. She is responsible for um, spearheading what is probably, I don't doubt, one of the largest, if not the largest, silent auction in North America, and they make a lot of money doing it. Uh, we're going to be talking with Heather Dean Presnell. Yeah, Heather is a, an extremely accomplished uh, marketer, but also just worker in the uh, nonprofit space. She puts on an incredibly large event here in Southern California, uh, one of the biggest silent auction items in the state, if not the country, uh, with over 600 items. It's truly astounding uh, what her and her team are able to accomplish each year. Uh, but there's a lot of lessons that come along with that in terms of how to you know package the items, how to procure the items, and uh, a lot of those nuggets she shares with us here today just a tremendous amount of information. I, I know I was completely blown away. Uh, Heather here is is well worth a listen. Yeah, and you know, uh, obviously I'm in the San Diego market with Heather, and it's really amazing to see her be able to manage this year after year, uh, her largest auction as well as many other events all at the same time. And it was great to hear from her really how she manages these logistics, the the way she delegates to volunteers in different ways, and even how she gets, uh, you know, she's continually getting new creative ideas for incentivizing bidders, incentivizing uh, people to come to her event and really just pull this off year after year and launch a new event in Orange County as well. I know that the clock ran down long before Heather was finished sharing nuggets with us. Great ideas today. So grab a, a pen and a piece of paper and get ready to learn as we say hello to Heather Dean Presnell. Well, just an absolute pleasure to have one of the rock stars in the fundraising world with us here today on Events with Benefits. We're joined by Heather Dean Presnell, and uh, Heather is the Senior Manager of Multi-Market Leadership Events for the National MS Society. Perhaps in your own words, Heather, you can describe what all that, in, uh, what all that job entails. Yes, I know that's a big title. Uh, basically, I oversee all the leadership events for Southern California, Arizona, and Hawaii, uh, for the National MS Society. And what those events in our world entail are auctions, galas, golf tournaments, women's luncheons, anything with uh, that kind of fancy component to it um, in the fundraising world. I don't do bikes, walks, or anything with tennis shoes. <laughs> That's really how I differentiate my fundraising efforts. And I've worked with the MS Society eight years, and I just love this cause and this mission and everyone who I've got to know through it. All right, very good. And what is your background uh, in, in this world? Uh, so before here, I actually was in the wine industry doing uh, marketing and sales. And I went back to school and got my master's degree in communications and fell in love with the nonprofit industry and have never looked back since. 
Wow. Well, it's just a blessing for us to have you on the show today. I was talking with Renee Zhao, my co-host here, uh, before we uh, got you on uh, on the line. And Renee was telling me that you are highly respected here in the Southern California area for running what she described as one of the largest silent auctions in all of North America. And apparently you have an annual event with uh, uh, about 500 silent auction items. Is that true? Yes, so the MS Dinner Auction here in San Diego actually gets almost close to 600 auction packages. And that's packages, not items. If you count individual items, we're upwards of 700, and then we package them down. And then the event attracts about 650 guests annually and is definitely considered the largest auction in San Diego. Um, I'm impressed to hear that maybe possibly all of North America. Well, will you shatter the myth then that, uh, you know, there's all kinds of formulas out there as to, and that's a big question that I get lots of times from my clients. I'm a fundraising auctioneer. People ask me all the time, how many silent auction items is ideal for our group? And I think every, you could talk to 10 fundraising auctioneers, you'd probably get 10 different answers and 10 different formulas, but you've shattered anything that I've ever heard of. I mean, you have almost one basket or silent auction item for every single guest. And when you say you have 600 guests, that's actually probably 300, what we refer to as buying units or wallets. You've got 300 couples in the room. Does that not, uh, does that not really upset the supply-demand the basic supply-demand formula that dictates value? No, I think we're a little bit lucky in the sense that it is in its 31st year. So it's been going on since 1986. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it has some legacy behind it, which helps um, support it. And we, pl- we plot the event right before Thanksgiving. So it's traditionally the Saturday before Thanksgiving. And we use it as a kickoff to um, holiday shopping and also um, people's urine tax donations and finally encouraging them to purchase their trips and stuff at that event for the next year. So about 60% of our guests are repeat guests and they come knowing all of this and they're ready to open their wallets and buy their presents, buy their annual vacations, make their year-end gift, all of those things that night in the room. And it, it, we don't come back with any items unsold. I mean, it's, it's like maybe a handful that I get back every year. <laughs> okay, now when we take the, what does this do to the value of the individual items, having that, that uh, number of guests and that many items in your silent auction? I, I imagine you track how, what the retail value of your 600, 700 donations are. What percentage of retail value are you able to capture? On average, we're capturing about 50% of retail value, which um, from what I've read mostly about auctions is pretty fair, um, considering there's give and take depending on the package. Obviously, our you know more premier packages to Europe or trips of that nature tend to go for higher um, than maybe our photography packages or spa packages do, but um, we are seeing that rate hold strong. So you said 60%, that's six zero. A fifty-five zero. Oh, fifty-five zero. So you're getting about half the retail value with that many many packages. Okay, well that's that's good information. Uh, I would imagine it, you're a person that doesn't get a lot of sleep in in a year, and I would imagine you're not going to put. I mean, we're talking not. You, you mentioned all the events you're responsible for, but just that one large event 
happens just before Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, it must take you an entire year of planning to coordinate that many donations and get it all organized. H- how do you do that? It is a year-long process. Um, so... There's a lot of ways we do that. I have a team. I'm not alone, thank goodness. Um, And I have both staff that's helping support these efforts. We have amazing volunteers who donate their time and talents to support these efforts. We have a group of board of trustees, and then we also have a committee. And um, those four realms are really what's making all of this possible. And so just to delve a little into what each one does is um, our board is actually very powerful in getting several, several um, high-end packages for us, and as is our committee. And those two, what we're having them focus on is where they're going and spending money. And so it's like, hey, if you're taking a trip to Alaska, will you ask the hotel you're staying at to donate to the MS Society? Or if you frequently dine at a fancy steakhouse, would you ask that steakhouse to maybe donate a chef's package to us? And um, they've really latched on to this idea because they feel comfortable um, asking these you know, companies for something in return for the money that they have spent at these franchises and establishments. And so we're seeing great, great success come from that exact effort. And then on the staff and volunteer side, what we've really started to hone in on is um, unique experiences, things that people can't just go out and buy on Groupon or Travel Zoo or any of those um, websites that now are offering amazing, great deals. And so we're focusing on things like walk-on roles um, for a show in Hollywood or VIP backstage passes or sitting in um, the penalty box at a hockey game. Um, again, things that take connections to pursue. And so we're really vetting a lot of our participants, whether it be through our walk events or bike events, and who do they know and what companies do they work for and how can they help us get an amazing package that will sell for exponentially more money and help us raise funds for our cause. How do you go about deciding? So you've you've described to us here, this is it sounds very grassroots, starting with your your own tribe, with your own committee, your own board, and just going around the table seeing what each individual would like to buy. That kind of directs you or gives you some guidance as to where to go out to the community to solicit items. Uh, can we get a little more detail about how you actually make the request to the donors? Who's doing that? Is it in person or do you do it by a donor letter or what devices or tools or techniques do you use? I probably use every technique in the book. Um, (laughs) We have several, 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 several letters written um, for all different kinds of establishments. So we have a hotel request, a restaurant request, a unique experience request, a golf request. Um, And these letters are more tailored to those industries. So when we know someone is in that world, we send them that particular letter. So it reads better. It reads, you know, our audience is, our world travelers, won't you donate a package? Or um, this group is golfers, won't you please donate a golf experience? So that it's not as cold. Um, we really try to keep it warm. But we do, you know, we do the letter effort, and if we don't hear back, then if we have an email, we'll follow up. And if we don't hear back, then we have volunteers who actually make calls and follow up on our behalf. And if we get really desperate, yes, and they're local, we have drop-bys. <laughs> um, it, I mean, it just is a, a huge 
tracking system. And that's what I would say is you need to track on every ask that goes out there so you can keep up with the follow-up and not let it fall behind and not let it get forgotten. I mean, these companies you're asking for donations have jobs too. Um, so you may not be top of their priority list that week, but maybe you catch them in a good moment the next week to actually put the donation in the mail to you. And how do you track all of this uh, information? What's the process or the system that you use? Super old school, Excel for the most part. Um, we do utilize a little bit of greater giving software system too, but um, we've found that you know a huge database in Excel of everyone we've ever asked, which I think is over 30,000 companies at this point, is um, an efficient way. And of course, we have those companies ranked. Um, so we're following up a top prospects or renewal requests first and working our date way down the list uh, so that we're staying focused on top level. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty old school <laughs> in a lot of ways. That's great. No, and this is Ian Loth here from, from Winspire. Uh, you know, you say you uh, kind of old school using Excel sheets. What are some other tools that you have used uh, in, you know, with your team of volunteers and committees uh, to assist them in the procurement process? So we've, I have all kinds of tools, including like a hit list in which we're like, hey, as a committee member, if you could just do these five things, it would really help us. And it's like, you know, get a $100 restaurant gift card or ask someone you know with a wine collection to donate a premier bottle or um, easy attainable things that most people coming to the table could do. And then, of course, those committee members with higher level connections, we then push further than that. Um, and it's creating giving them the tools, the language, making sure they have our W-9, our 501c3, I mean, whatever a company could come back at them and want, and ensuring that's all there so that there is no questions about it. And then really providing the follow-up resources. Um, I know I keep touching on that, but if a company comes back to us and wants an online application, we have a volunteer who purely does that all year round for us. Um, filling out those applications to ensure they're consistent, that they have the right MS language in there to ensure they're talking about the events correctly and really putting us in the best light um, to get a donation maybe over someone else because there's, there's only so many that they give out a year and we just have to hope to be on the receiving end sometimes of those, um, of those packages. That's fantastic and this is all great, Heather. Um, you know, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of maybe a, you know, a nonprofit out there who might not be, you know, the size and scope of their event might not be as massive as, as yours. What would you say are kind of the three most important things that they should consider um, when going out and trying to procure items from uh, local businesses in their area? Or maybe three most important tools to have in their tool shed. All right. Um, first, a good story. <laughs> know your mission, know what you're doing, why you're doing it. And if you have a connection to the mission, share it. Um, it's the most impactful thing you can do to really make people understand why you're trying to raise money and secure these auction items. Two, Make sure to have a leave behind, a letter, a business card, a donation form, something. Um, just don't walk out the door or be told sorry. Um, that just, just don't take no for an answer. That would be my, my honest to God truth. And then finally, I would probably say, uh, 
And number three, I would say, always make it easy to donate. Ensure that your website's up to date, that there's an easy point to hit donate an auction item, that maybe your guide star rating is included on your website. A lot of donors are looking more and more into those ratings to ensure your reputable nonprofit to be donating to. And if you have any associations with like the Better Business Bureau or anything like that, I would ensure those are listed as well. I mean, those are really important to organizations when they're making the tough choice of who to give their donation to. Love it. That's great, Heather. You know, you, men- you mentioned one thing uh, towards the beginning of the interview about, uh, you know, your massive silent auction where you have 600 items, but you that's actually bundled down from about 700 items. That's one thing we always like to preach here or encourage nonprofits to do is, you know, take, item- take your donations and try to bundle them to increase the perceived value of, uh, you know, multiple, you know, gift certificates bundled with various other items can increase the value of a package and actually bring in more. Do you have any other uh, recommendations or, um, I guess, tactics or strategies that you utilize when bundling auction items to get to get more proceeds? Yes, for bundling, I kind of live by the rule of don't put anything under a hundred or perceived value of a hundred. So if you have four $25 gift cards, find a way to build a little restaurant package out of them or um, throwing in a, you know, a bottle of wine and some pasta noodles may go a long way to increase the presentation of the package. And in, as far as like travel goes, um, I know about a two months before my event, we start looking at where we have some premier stays at. So if we have a wonderful New York property, is there a gap in which we could then pursue a New York restaurant or Broadway tickets or Yankee tickets or whatever it might be to increase that package? Because if you create a trip and experience for people, it's in a sell for way higher than just a two-night stay in New York City. And so we start looking at those gaps and attacking them to ensure that our packages look great when the guests arrive and they want to bid on them. And Heather, if the uh, nonprofit event planners don't want to go to all the trouble of trying to put those packages together, where do you suggest they should call? <laughs> go to Winspire. <laughs> <laughs> We just had to sneak a little plug in, <laughs> sneak a little plug in there somehow. Well, I'll tell you, you know, as a fundraising auctioneer, that's what I like is, uh, you know, we recommend, we do recommend Winspire, uh, you know, to our clients and have no reservations about doing it because Winspire do all that legwork, putting all of the elements of these packages together. And it's a, it's a one-stop call. So it really makes it easier for the client. But anyway, moving on, I wanted to ask you about your experience. You obviously conduct one of the largest and I don't think anybody would debate that, one of the largest successful silent auctions in North America. Have you had experience uh, with online auctions, and what has your experience been, online versus live? That is such a great question, because we're actually a bit uh, transitioning right now because of the two worlds that seem to exist. We have traditionally been uh, an in-person silent auction, except for uh, online catalog that has allowed people to proxy bid. The way our proxy bidding has worked is that you can go on and say what you would be willing to pay for an item. So um, you wanna go stay in Santa Barbara at the Bacara for the weekend and you say, I'll pay $500. 
To be fair to the guests buying tickets, we have not put down that $500 bid till 30 minutes into the silent auction. If bidding has not exceeded that $500, then the bid goes down. Um, if it has exceeded, the bid is dead. Um, we've just, and that ensures that people in the room can get first chance to do max bidding and um, make it where they want to attend the event and experience the event and be aware of our cause and possibly make a donation that night and, you know, become engaged with us versus, you know, some people online who just simply want to try to get that, you know, stay at Bacara. <laughs> um, with that being said, we are looking to expand our online platform to be more appealing when we send out that catalog um, to draw people in. And, you know, with having these caveats to try to sell more tickets, ultimately. I mean, I know 650 guests sounded like a lot, but I think the fire marshal will let me go up to 720, 730. <laughs> so I would love to push that room to capacity. And what we find is once people come for the first time, they, they want to keep coming back. So I would just say be wary with... Um, a little bit of online to make sure to give those buying tickets a special experience, but don't limit yourself by not posting your catalog online. I think there's there's benefits both directions. To that to that end, um, what sort of recommendations do you have, or what do you, what sort of best practices have you um, seen work the best in terms of promoting auction items prior to? Uh, the event, you know, have you utilized social media, email newsletters? What have you found works the best for promoting items? Yes, for those organizations with a strong um, constituent base where you have a lot of emails, I would highly recommend sending a blast out to everyone in your data system. Um, I think that a lot of people who already have a connection to you that want to support your cause are very interested to open up and say, oh, maybe I can buy something to, you know, give back this year. I also think social media is great. I know we have done Facebook ad purchases, you know, hey, the MS Dinner Auction's coming up and here's all of our amazing items. Click here to learn more. And we've seen, you know, people enter that way that wouldn't otherwise be exposed to us. And so those are the two tactics we've primarily tried with, you know, getting our old faithfuls to look at the catalog, but also maybe trying to get some people who love to shop, spend money, um, attend nonprofit events to look at ours as well. Heather, you've obviously been at this for a long time, and the MS Society has built a very, very successful event, very profitable event, but it's important, I think, for a lot of our listeners uh, on the podcast here who may just be getting started to know that this is a process uh, and your results are, it's going to take some time to build an event and to approach this with a long-term view. What are your thoughts there? Yes. So I, I've inherited a legacy event, but I've also started a brand new event myself. Um, it's my women's event in Orange County. And it's, it's a baby. <laughs> um, I think I'm going through the growing pains that anyone else goes through when they have a startup event because there's, there's not the, the, the power, the commitment, the legacy behind it. So you're, at, you're starting at scratch. And it's rough and it's hard the first few years, but once you build momentum, it's wonderful. And the first thing I ever had to do was find a few people who cared about wanting to start the event and that had a, either a connection to the mission or were looking to increase their charitable 
networking and volunteerism. And once you have, a, you know, even if it's just four or five people on the committee the first year, you feel like you're not on an island. <laughs> and, um, and then you have to just take success in chunks. And it's really hard when you look at other events out there. Um, like I compared, you know, my little baby event to my huge gala. And I was like, no, I'm not going to raise that kind of money the first five years. I need like a 10-year goal to get to that kind of success. And I had to look at it in increments. I had to say, you know, for the first year, I don't even think I can secure auction items. I think I can secure an opportunity drawing. And then maybe the next year have a small silent auction. And then maybe the next year add a live auction component. And then maybe the next year beef all three up. And then you gotta keep you gotta keep making attainable goals and realistic goals. And knowing that, you know, if you got 50 items one year, make the goal the next year 100 items. Don't make the goal 500 items. <laughs> That's just, it's just not going to happen. Um, it takes a long time to build up reputation and commitment and a following. So Heather, um, your large event in San Diego for the MS Society, is there a live auction component to that as well? Yes, there is. And what can you share with us, uh, since a number of our nonprofits also have a live auction, what uh, uh, ideas or suggestions might you offer us on having a more profitable, more successful live auction? What are some of your takeaways there? Always have an auctioneer. <laughs> um, what kind of an auctioneer? A really, really good auctioneer like yourself. <laughs> Well, I didn't mean that, no, but I mean a certified professional fundraising auctioneer because from your experience, you've probably recognized there is a difference, isn't there? Oh my gosh, yes. So yes, a professional auctioneer is key to a live auction. Someone who makes a living being a professional auctioneer. Um, not an MC, not a board member, not a committee member, not someone who thinks they know how to do it. A real professional. <laughs> It will make all the difference in the world because um, professionals know how to keep the bidding going. They know how to create bidding wars. They know when they can and can't sell duplicates of an item. Um, and they, they exponentially increase your revenue from a live auction. What are some other income streams besides the live auction then? What are some other revenue streams we can look at maybe squeezing a little extra juice out of uh, at the event or prior to the event? And I know one of the things, you've got some thoughts about ticket sales and how do you price your tickets. You you actually view tickets as a profit center, don't you? Yes, we do. Um, so we sell tickets and we sell different ticket packages. Uh, we're lucky that our events tend to be at hotels. And so we'll sell a basic ticket, um, tickets with an overnight stay, uh, VIP tickets to get you into the early party to start bidding even sooner, uh, tickets to get closer seats. Uh, <laughs> um, we really try to look at what people will pay more money for and try to capitalize on that. I mean, if they want the fancier wine, why not charge them a little more and give them fancier wine at their table or, you know, things like that. So don't limit yourself to the basic ticket price. You can still have the basic ticket, but find other ways to expand upon it. Wow, great idea. Uh, what about other income streams? How about raffles? 
We definitely do an opportunity drawing. We do two of them. Um, one, we're fortunate to have a jewelry sponsor that provides like a diamond necklace or diamond earrings. And so you enter to win the chance for those. And then the other is a little bit more of the traditional raffle um, with, you know, it tends to be like a trip package as the grand prize. And then smaller items leading up to it as runner-up prizes. And the key I've always found in those things is to make it competitive. <laughs> so for example, our diamond necklace drawing, we sell these bling rings with it. So if you buy $100 worth of the raffle tickets to win the necklace, you get this little plasticky bling ring. But everybody wants the bling ring. So all of a sudden, the table is packed with people who seriously want this 30 cent bling ring because they don't want to be the only ones in the room without this ring. And it's kind of a symbol. <laughs> like, hey, I paid $100. Hey, I'm in this raffle. Hey, I'm going to win the diamond necklace. Don't you want to join me? So, I mean, something as silly as that <laughs> to create a little friendly competition and awareness, I've seen really work. Well, I, I wrote a book. I wrote a book on fundraising auctions uh, called "Easy Money: How to Generate Record Profits from Your Next Fundraising Auction Event." And one of the things I talk about early in the book is the three E's of a successful fundraising uh, event or a fundraising idea. And that is number one is to entertain the people. Number two, engage. And number three, extract money. And the bling ring is a great idea. It does all three. It's entertaining for the people, fun for them to put the ring on, and it does engage the audience and pulls out a lot of extra money. So that's a great idea. Any any more of those that you could share with us? Those are real nuggets. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, the other revenue stream we do, we do really well at is an ask, which I know not every uh, charity event does, but I would recommend it, especially if you can do an inspirational moment right before it. And again, have the professional auctioneer to lead your ask. Um, never being afraid to start high and work your way down lower to other increments, but to really share the story of what those increments will buy or help support. And uh, again, you know, not limiting yourself to a goal. Uh, I know that sounds really funny and eternally you'll always have a goal, but I've seen a lot of charity auctions poo-poo when they hit the $100,000 mark. Um, it's like, oh, we've reached $100,000, let's celebrate. And they may have left money in the room. So we always kind of judge our ask based on the momentum. And if all of a sudden, within the first two minutes of the ask, we're already over $100,000, we're going to now start expanding the goal even higher. And it's when we start getting down to the $100 increment, we're like, okay, we're $9,000 away from $200,000. Let's make that our goal and help close that gap. But I think if you set the goal too early, you, you fizzle out early. So I know it's a weird recommendation, but it works. <laughs> well, Heather, I cannot tell you how impressed we are here uh, today. Uh, my co-hosts and I, you've been an absolute gem to talk to. Uh, we can hear the smile in your voice, and I can't imagine um, how grateful the people are that you surround yourself with are to be working with you. And uh, what an inspiration for all of our listeners here on Events with Benefits. Uh, we could very easily have you on another two or three podcasts, and we will look forward to inviting you back as a guest real soon. So today's guest is Heather Dean Presnell. She is the Senior Manager of Multi-Market Leadership events. That's a mouthful with the National MS Society. She's based down in San Diego and you've got a special offer I think for us, don't you, Heather? 
Yes, so if anyone would ever like to learn more or bounce an idea, I would love to help support you. Um, and you actually, I either can look me up on LinkedIn, Heather Dean Presnell, National OMS Society. I should pop right up. I think the only one on there. Or you can also look me up on our facebook.com slash MS Dinner Auction. And um, that connects directly to me, and I'd be happy to respond to you that way. Fantastic. We'll be sure to put your contact info uh, on our show notes here. Uh, anything else from my co-host, Ian? I'm looking at him. No, I'm good. You, it's been a pleasure, Heather. That was outstanding. Lots of jam-packed full of information I think our, our listeners are really going to enjoy. So thank you for that. Wonderful. I'm glad I could help. Renee, okay. Renee doesn't want to say anything. She's just tongue-tied because she's just in awe, as we all are. <laughs> uh, anyway, Heather, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back on Events with Benefits, uh, hopefully sooner than later. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the show this week. For show notes, special offers, or to listen to previous episodes, you can visit us at eventswithbenefits.com. Please also consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and write us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at hosts at eventswithbenefits.com. We'll see you next time.